book of Isaiah this morning. We'll be in the book of Isaiah. We're going to read one verse in Isaiah chapter number 7, and then we'll read one verse of Scripture in Isaiah chapter number 9, and we're certainly thankful for what uh, the Lord has done for us already today. It's just good to be in church, and I hope we don't take that uh, for granted, and it's good to be in church on Christmas Eve uh, as we celebrate uh, the birth of our Savior. I'm going to read two fairly familiar verses in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah this morning uh, that have to do with the birth of our uh, Lord, but certainly uh, it uh, lays a good foundation for us of the reason for the birth uh, of our Lord. And so we'll read uh, from Isaiah chapter number 7. We'll read verse number 14, Isaiah 7, 14. You may recognize this verse. Uh, The Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. Uh, You may recognize that uh, word Emmanuel. It's the name of our church. We get our church name, Emmanuel Baptist Church. And uh, we uh, read of the prophecy of him being born of a virgin. And uh, Jesus certainly was born uh, of a virgin. Isaiah chapter number 9. If you'll turn over just a couple of pages. Isaiah chapter 9. We'll read verse number 6, which will be our text verse this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This morning I want to take the time that I have and I want to preach on this subject, Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Father, we look to the scripture this morning for uh, our help. We look to the scripture this morning for our encouragement. And Father, there certainly is encouragement in the fact that uh, you loved us enough to send your son. And we celebrate that fact. We celebrate his purpose for coming. Uh, We celebrate your goodness and your love. And Father, I pray as we put our focus this morning on this portion of Scripture. May the Spirit of God remind us of some important truths. May we be encouraged by them, challenged by them. I pray once again this morning, if there's someone in the service who've never got their salvation settled, who've never put their faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone, may today on this Christmas Eve be the greatest day of their life and they put their faith and trust in Christ. Perhaps there's someone watching by live stream, listening by radio, who's yet to trust Christ as their uh, payment for their sins, their way to heaven. I pray today would be that day for them. And Father, for the Christian today, I pray that we'd be reminded of who we have in Jesus. Uh, We can celebrate our Savior. We can lean on Him. We can depend on Him. We can build a life on Him. We can build a home on Him. And Father, we look to Him today for our help, our strength, our encouragement. And Father, may we be a light to this world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we consider Isaiah chapter number 7 and then Isaiah chapter number 9, we read the prophet Isaiah as he prophesies of the coming Messiah who will save his people, who will save man from their sins. He prophesies, and certainly you have to understand and put in the context of the time in which he prophesied, uh, was not a, a, a time of, 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 of a great time in the history of the people of Israel. 
as they were prone to do. They would uh, follow the Lord. They would get away from the Lord. The Lord would chastise them and to bring them back to Him. And Isaiah prophesies, and if you notice the wording as we've read in chapter number 7 and chapter number 9 this morning, he prophesies of what will happen as if it has already happened. You look at verse number 6, For unto us a child is born. He was not saying, I'm giving you news that the child was born today. If you contrast that to Luke chapter number 2, and those angels declare, today he is born, he he has come today, Isaiah is prophesying of that event. But he prophesies of what will take place in the future as if it, it had happened in that exact time. Now we are reminded, why is this significant? We are reminded that if God sets something in motion, if God makes a promise, it's as good as done. We don't have to wonder if it's going to take place. We don't have to wonder if it's going to happen. We don't even have to look for the evidence that it's going to happen. When God says something is going to take place, He sets it in motion, we can consider it done. And Isaiah is prophesying of the coming Messiah, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that would happen in the future as if it has already happened. We can take that same mindset to everything that the Lord says will happen. We can look at future prophecies as if they have already happened. Because one day we will stand on that side of the event. Think about it. Today we stand on this side of this prophecy. Isaiah prophesies that there's going to be one born of a virgin. This is your sign that this is the Messiah. This is the Lord. This is the Son of God. Well, we celebrate Christmas because that event has already taken place. He prophesies that he would be the one who, who laid down his life as that lamb. Well, we stand on this side of that event because that has already taken place. Uh, He went to the cross of Calvary. There's an empty tomb because he laid down his life and was resurrected, came forth victorious three days later. We stand on this side of the event even though Isaiah prophesied that time would come as if it had already happened. You apply that to the things that this Bible tells us will take place. That for the child of God, it's when they take that last breath on this side of eternity to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. That's as good as if it's already happened. Because the Lord has said that this would take place. Now, one day, we'll stand on the other side of that event. Now, I'll say those who lived in this day, I'm certain they were challenged and encouraged and had hope because of what Isaiah prophesied. I like standing on this side of the event. I like saying, I'm thankful that Jesus was born of a virgin. He did come to this earth. He did live a sinless life. He did lay down his life on the cross of Calvary. He did come forth from the grave victorious. And one day, we're going to be on the other side of the events that this Bible tells us are going to happen, and it tells us as if it's already happened. Because the day is going to come, it is going to happen. The rapture is going to take place, and one day we'll be on that side of the event. The second coming, we'll be on that side of the event. As we consider these prophecies, Isaiah saying what is going to happen, as if they've already happened, 
I want us to look at these passages of Scripture, and we think of Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah says that child is going to be born. He prophesied as if it has already happened because that was not the time when God was just going to come. God was with them already. But Jesus would come and Jesus would be on this earth as God. God with us. I've got several things I want to give you this morning from this passage of Scripture. And so if you will give me your attention... I will cram a whole series of sermons into a few minutes. Yeah, you don't don't believe that. Bah humbug to you. But anyway, I want you to notice something. Number one, we see the reason for his coming. Look in verse number six. Before I I, I get get into that, I I want to say this. I'm thankful he came. I'm more thankful because I know why he came. It'd be a big deal if he had just come. But knowing why he came makes the fact that he came even more special. Notice the reason for his coming. Look at verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now notice the words of the Bible. Every word in the Bible is there on purpose. That word, for... It's just a three-letter word, but it gives an incredible significance to what is going to come after because of what came before. There are dark days with God's people. But for unto us a child is born. This is the reason Jesus was coming. Because there was no other solution to the problems they faced. There was no other solution to fix the world. There was no other solution to reconciliation to God. This world could look at everything it wants to look at. It's not in religion. It's not in quote-unquote science. It's not in the philosophers of this world. That word for... Jesus had to come. He had to be born of a virgin because this is the, there's a reason why he came. And that reason is because there was no other solution to man's problems. Notice the two words for unto us. Those two words unto us designate the beneficiary. He came not for the benefit of the angels in heaven... He came unto us. We are the beneficiary of Christ coming to this earth. It was done unto us, for us. Aren't you thankful that we're the beneficiary of the love of God? It's one thing to say God is a loving God. It's another thing to say, I know God loves me. Well, what is your proof of that? What is your evidence of that? Well, my evidence is that Jesus came unto us. We're the beneficiary of Him coming. The reason for His coming is because there was no other solution to solve the problems of man. There's no other way to get man reconciled back to God. He came unto us. We are the beneficiary of His coming. Notice the words as well, is given. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. 
Jesus was a gift of love out of the benevolence of God. You know what makes a gift special? Because it's a gift. It's not something you earned. You say, well, tomorrow at my house, there's a naughty list and there's a nice list. Which one you own? Which one should you be on? Well, I deserve Jesus because I was on God's nice list. No, every man is on the naughty list. What, what could man do to get on the nice list? Nothing. Nothing. Those of you that still have your children at home and they have different personalities and Christmas time comes and at least I don't think this will take place at anybody's house tomorrow. If it does, we need to talk after the service. But, you know, Johnny, you were a little bit better than, than your sister this year. That's the way that always works out. And, 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 and you were, were not as good as this one. So the gifts are designated according to that. No, hopefully, they all get good gifts because you love them. God gave us Jesus... Because he loves us. Well, we are the benefit is given. It's a gift. It's nothing that could be earned. And quite frankly, if we could earn it, it would not have the value that it has. And the fact that the almighty God, a holy, righteous God, who knows uh, no uh, imperfections in his own being, but knows every imperfection in us, still loved us enough that said, I'm going to send my son. Because There's a reason I'm sending him. I'm not just sending him to send send him, I'm sending him unto you. This is a gift for you. And he is given. Why would anybody say no to a gift? Why would anybody say no to a gift? Well, what strings are attached? It's a gift. I, I, I refuse that gift. Sadly, there are many in this world who refuse the gift of Jesus. And, and, and I don't, I don't want to do what I need that's necessary to, to receive that gift. It's a gift. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you could do to, to earn that gift. To think about the Lord Jesus Christ and the reason for His coming, there's a, the reason is there's no other solution. Friend, you can try church all you want to try. Church can get you no closer to heaven. It give you no, it, you know, church can, can help you in many ways, but it's not going to change your soul. Is Jesus. Unto us, we're the beneficiary, is given. It was a gift of love. So we look at the reason for his coming. Now notice very quickly, number two, three things he would bring with him. In order to find these three things, we have to go back to the beginning of the chapter. In, in chapter number 9, we'll read in a few verses in just a moment. Of course, if you were to go to chapter number 8, we find a lot of the, 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 the judgment that the people of Israel, in part, a lot of the, the, the problems that they're dealing with that Jesus would be the solution to. Look at the beginning of verse, uh, chapter number uh, 9. Of course, Isaiah is, is predicting in chapter 8 of, uh, of, their, of, of the captivity that's going to come and destruction that's going to come. But look at the, chapter number 9, verse number 1. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation. 
when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way, afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shine. Now Isaiah, once again, he's talking about what's going to happen as if it's happening right then. And notice one of the things that Emmanuel, God with us, would bring. Verse number 2, they were walking in darkness and now they've seen a great light. When Emmanuel comes, he brings the light. Friend, we live in a dark world. Politics doesn't bring light. Our good works, they can encourage, they can help, but let me tell you what brings the light is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when He came into your life, He brought light to your darkness. He brings light, that, that hope of light. You think of the darkness and that ray of light and what it brings uh, in, in those dark places. And certainly the Lord Jesus Christ, as Emmanuel would come, He brings the light to those in darkness. You know what would, would help our nation? The light of Christ. The light of Christ. Well, what a wonderful thing it would be for Christians in the new year to determine that we're going to talk about Jesus a lot more than we talk about our favorite politician. And we say our favorite politician, the lesser of the evils that we have to deal with. Well, Jesus will change everything because he brings light. And by the way, that light, if you're saved this morning, that light ought to shine in you. Hey, what, 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 what makes a difference in my life is not the fact that I'm a conservative. I stopped wearing that label anyway. I like to say that I'm a Christian. What makes a difference in my life is the light of Christ. And what will change this world is the light of Christ. What will change your home is the light of Christ. What will change your marriage is the light of Christ. The hope and the future of our nation is the light of Christ. Not only will you bring the light, notice in verse number 3. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. They, they, he didn't just give them joy. The joy is a byproduct of notice what he does. Thou hast multiplied the nation. He would bring increase. It's better with Jesus. There's more with him. You want more joy in your life? Jesus will bring more joy. Well, Pastor, you don't understand the problems that I have. I may not understand the problems you have, but all I'm just saying is the more you put your focus on Jesus, the more Jesus does in your life, the more joy you will have. The more focus on the eternal and less on the temporal, the more joy you'll have. Uh, He brings, he multiplies your life. There's no honest man that can say that they have less joy since they found Christ than before they had had Christ. Now, you may have more problems, but Jesus is bigger than your problems. He may not take away your problems, but you can still have joy in the midst of your problems. Our nation is not a perfect nation. I think we would all agree with that. Our nation has problems. But you as a child of God in in a plagued nation can still have joy in your heart because of the Lord. He brings increase. 
It's better with, we've we got to stop believing the lie of the devil and our young people got to stop looking at the th- promises of, of this world and it's, it's better without God. It's better without the things of God. And you'll get more out of this life without Him. That is not true. That is a lie of Satan himself. He increases your life when he is the central part of it. Not only does he bring light, he brings increase. And if that wasn't enough, look at verse number 4. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Again, Isaiah is prophesying of what would change when Jesus comes, as if it's already happened. He brings light with him. He brings increase, but notice he also brings liberty. Liberty. Well, there's no freedom like having freedom in Christ. Broken the yoke of his burden. There's no bondage like the bondage of our own sin. No man has ever broken the bondage of his sin. Well, I keep the Ten Commandments. You're still bound. And you probably don't keep them all. Well, nine out of ten is not bad. Well, if, you, if you're guilty of one, the Bible tells you you're guilty of them all. Merry Christmas. Let's just establish that. There's none of us keeping any of the, of the Ten Commandments. We cannot have liberty unless it's in Jesus. I came to church today out of my own free will. I came to church today because, you know, it's kind of where the pastor's supposed to be. But anyway, I, I came to church today because I wanted to be in church. My salvation did not depend on whether or not I came to church today. My my salvation does not depend on what prayer I pray. It doesn't depend on how much I gave in the offering. It 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 doesn't depend on what saint I pray to. It doesn't depend on any of those things. I got liberty from sin through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that brings that liberty. There's no one more bound than who lives to themselves in this world by their own doing. And we've got to stop listening to the lies of this world and the lies that come straight out of hell. And say, oh, to give your life to Christ is a life of limitations and a life where you have to do this and you have to do that and you, you can't be a part of this and, and you can't be a part of that. And, oh, that church preaches and believes the Bible and they'll tell you that you can't do this and you can't do this and, oh, there's all these rules that you have to live by, friend. That, 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 that's a lie straight from the devil. There's nobody more bound than those who reject Christ and, and, and their own devices dictate what they do. The crowd dictates what you do. Oh, that church where, where, where everybody has to be like everybody else. Have you ever been to the world and noticed how everybody's got to dress like everybody else? And the latest fashion thing comes along. It's like, well, we got to stop doing this and we got to start doing this. Wait, there, there's freedom in Christ. Why do you live the way you want to live? Because I'm free in Christ. I live the way he would have me to live. But he brings light, he brings increase, he brings liberty. We notice very quickly, number three, the attributes by which he would be known. Now again, Isaiah, as I've already mentioned, we've established this. He's prophesying of the one who would come as if it's already happened. And he tells us of Emmanuel. God with us. The child's going to be born. 
And this is what he's going to be known by. These are his attributes. That one day when you think of him, you're going to think of all of these things because this is who he is. Notice in verse number 6 what these attributes are. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, before I expound on, on these characteristics, let me just say, there is only one God. There's only one living God. Jehovah God. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God. There's, there's no other quote-unquote God that, that anybody wants to talk about today who could compare to Jesus Christ who can compare to his attributes. There's no holy man that people worship today and, and people give that the Pope does not compare to the Lord Jesus Christ. The, 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 the characteristics by which he would be known, the attributes, notice each one of them. First of all, wonderful. Well, you could preach a whole message, and I have on each one of these. I'll not do it this morning, but let me just summarize each attribute this morning. When you think of wonderful, think of one who does wonders. The miraculous. Say, is he really one that does wonders? Well, look around the building just for a moment. We could testify this morning of what we were before we met Jesus. What, what changed them? Jesus did. Boy, there are homes that have peace in them today. Why is that, Jesus? That's a wonder. We think about what you were before Jesus saved you and the life that you lived before Jesus saved you. It's a wonder. What He does in your life and as you grow, He does the miraculous. Oh, the the Gospels will tell the story of the miracles of Jesus. He'll not record them all. As the Bible reminds us, this world cannot contain all the record of the miracles that Jesus did. Well, He does wonders. And let me just say, no matter where you are in your life this morning, if you need a miracle, can I point you to the Lord Jesus Christ? Because He does wonders. That's how He is known by His, this attribute of being wonderful. But it continues. Counselor, Jesus is the source of wisdom. There's a lot of confusion in this world by people who would not be confused if they would look to the counselor. There's Christians who are confused, but they're not looking to the counselor. Well, these are what these theologians said and these historians said. I'll stick with the one who is knowledge. I'll stick with the one who is understanding. I'll stick with the one who wrote all the laws of science. I'll stick with the counselors. Well, that's not that goes against the mainstream of the philosophy of this world. Well, that's fine if the philosophy of this world is considered a, a mainstream. I'll, I'll stick with the stream, if you will, and I'll stay with wisdom. He's the counselor. But where do we get that wisdom from? Not Wikipedia. There's a lot of Christians, I'm afraid, who Google when they should be searching the Scriptures. I need to find me a counselor out there. 
I'm not against counsel, but why don't we start with the counselor? And if we're going to get counsel, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a counselor. Did you know that? I give counsel. Say, Pastor, are you available for counsel? All the time. Every day. Say, say what do you do? I say, let's look at what Jesus said. I'm here to help discern what God has already said. Why? Because He's wisdom. He's knowledge. That's what He's known. He's known as the source of wisdom. He's the counselor. That's pretty good, but that's not all. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. He's known for His strength, His might, His ability. Friend, if you and I will be reminded of who we have in our God, you won't be afraid of the, the enemy. You won't be afraid of this world. You won't be afraid of what you might face in your life. Boy, I think of that kid's song, and I'll not sing it for you this morning. Our God is so big, so mighty. There's nothing He cannot do. And it would do some grown-ups good. Maybe if we added that to the hymn book. To remind us that that problem we're facing, my God is so big, so mighty, there's nothing He cannot do. Oh, you look at the problems in our nation, in our world, and we just have to give up. Our God is so big, so mighty. Well, I don't know that, I, I, I hear what you're saying about salvation, and I know that I can't save myself, and I know that I have a need this morning, and, and I know there's something I need to take care of when it comes to my own soul, but I just don't think there's anything I can do. You're right on that. There's nothing you can do, but look to the one who's greater than your sins. Look to the one who conquered death and hell. Look to the one who is known as the mighty one. He's the hero of every story because he is the mighty God. Notice what else he says. He says, not only the mighty God, but the everlasting Father. Why could he prophesy of what would come as if it had already happened? Because the one that he was prophesying would come one of his attributes is the everlasting Father, meaning he's eternal. One of the things I always shake my head at, and I just think it's, 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 it's ridiculous and ludicrous, and we're out on vacation or something, we're at a national park, you know, my wife squeezes my, my arm when, when it starts, millions and millions of years ago. If you're puzzled by that, the world is not millions and millions of years old. And I was like, do you have any questions? I'm like, I got a few. It's like, no, please. He's using my girls. Please, Dad. No, not today. Which one of you were here when all that happened? It's not millions and millions of years ago. But if it were, do you know who would have still been here? The everlasting Father. Because He's always been. If He's always been, He is today. Can I tell you who's always going to be? 
It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you think about those who, who, who trusted Christ as he came in his earthly ministry, and then when he came out of that grave, and as those apostles, that's after he said to heaven, went into the world preaching the gospel, and they believed on Christ in that first century. That same Jesus is still saving sinners today. That same Jesus is still sitting on his throne today. Why? Because he's eternal. The day's going to come, he's going to call his children home. Whether we take our last breath in this, on this side of eternity or the rapture takes place. The Bible tells us that we will be like him. So you know what that makes us? Eternal. How does that happen? Through Christ. He's the everlasting one. Then notice what he says. He says, not only the everlasting father, the prince of peace. I'll just summarize because we're running out of time that peace comes from his person. I will submit to you that there is no peace outside of Jesus. I'll submit to you that every quote-unquote peace that we have in this world is a result of Jesus. Man says, I'd love to have world peace. I can help you. Every knee bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then we'll have peace. Well, I, I, this world you, you, you encounter, and it's, it's heartbreaking, and it's burdensome as a child of God as you Look at people in this world and the turmoil they live in. And this, this world offers nothing but chaos and, and turmoil and burden. And in the moment you let your guard down, it takes everything good away from you. That's the world we live in. That's the nature of the society that we live in. And you say, what is the answer to that? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the burdens that you see people carry and the burdens that you see this world have to deal with and the sadness and the sorrow, what will change that? Let, let's, let's, let's print a bunch of money and give it to them. No, that's a temporary fix. It's not going to solve any problems. Only peace comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's never more evidence than when you take somebody on their deathbed. and They can be a pauper. But if they know the Lord, there's peace. You can take the contrast of that as somebody who's had everything this world's ever had to offer. But they don't know Christ. There's no peace. He's the Prince of Peace. If you need peace in your life today, it comes from Christ Himself. Then I mentioned number four. We've already seen the reason for his coming, three things he would bring when he comes, the attributes by which he would be known. The number four, I want you to notice verse six again. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And then we read just a moment ago, he'll be called. These are his attributes. But in the middle of that is this phrase, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. 
There's a lot that can be said. There's a lot of opinions about what all that means with the government prophetically. And I certainly think all those things can apply. But let me just summarize it like this in number four. Emmanuel, God with us, and the authority by which he reigns. His throne is above every throne. His throne is above every throne. Kings have come and kings have gone. Christ's throne remains. He sits on the throne the day that is above every throne. And you say, well, Pastor, why do things take place in this world? There are other thrones. Many times we set ourselves up on our own throne, in our own heart. No matter what throne you set yourself on, His throne is above your throne. The kingdoms in this earth, we become so consumed with everything that's taking place in this world of who's sitting on this throne and who's sitting on this throne and what's going to take place when this happens and this happens. It doesn't matter when all of that takes place and it all shakes out. You take all the kings of this world and they can assemble together. There's a throne that is above his throne. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. It is his throne. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His government shall be a peaceful, peaceable government, agreeable to His character as the Prince of Peace. He'll rule by love, rule in men's hearts. And what's interesting is that wherever His government is, there shall be peace. And as His government increases, the peace shall increase. In your own life, you want more peace? Allow His government to increase in your life. Well, I've got all these decisions to make. Why are you making these decisions? You have a king. Let Him rule in your heart. Let Him rule in your life. Let Him rule in your marriage. Let Him rule in your home. So we have all these problems in our nation. Well, there was a day when Jesus had a more prominent position in our nation than He does now. And there's less peace now than there was when everybody went to Sunday school. There's less peace now when his name was held with reverence and respect and not a curse word. The more we subject to Christ, the more easy and safe we are. I mentioned this very quickly. Not only is it above every throne, it's an eternal throne. Man is so foolish to thinking they actually rule anything. They control anything. I'm, I'm thankful for modern medicine. There's not medicine keeping your heart beating today. It's the sovereign hand of God. It's His air we breathe. It's His planet we walk on. Well, it's an eternal throne. The day is coming. The book of Revelation tells us that there's the great white throne of judgment. 
And all those who rejected Christ as their payment for sin, as their king, if you will. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, meaning nobody can reconcile you to God but Jesus Christ. And there's many who say, I'll, I'll, I'll choose religion. I'll choose the denomination I grew up in. I'll, I'll choose what my grandmother taught me. And Jesus said, no, I'm the way back to God. Amen. It's through me and my life and my virgin birth and per- perfect living and as the Son of God and being the, the spotless Lamb that paid for the sins of the world. It's, it's me suffering death and hell for every man and coming forth victorious from that grave with the keys to death and hell. It is me, the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides that way? And there's many who'll say, "No, I'll provide. I'll do. I'll try my own good works." And they'll die in their sins, discovering that when Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life; no man cometh unto the Father but by me," Jesus meant no man. And they'll discover that Jesus was telling the truth, and every man was a liar. One day they'll appear before that great white throne. which is the government, which is the only opinion that is going to matter. And who sits at that great white throne is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And every man who rejected him will be judged by his word. Those that did not know him is that throne is from that throne the edict will be issued. Depart from me. Man's, it won't matter what king served what nation. It won't matter what politician served in what capacity and, and sold this out and did this and did what was right in his own eyes. It won't matter because there will only be one. The Lord Jesus Christ. We think of Emmanuel, God with us. The reason for His coming, let's not forget that there's no other solution than Christ had to come. We're the beneficiary. How tragic would it be for you to... What would it say tomorrow if you you got up and your family had got you a gift or gifts and they tried to give you the gifts, you say, no, thank you, I don't want those gifts. And you left empty-handed. Well, you would reject their love. You would reject their concern. How much more for somebody when Jesus came to this world so that we might benefit to reject that? Boy, what Christ brings, the light, the increase, the liberty, the attributes by which He would be known, the, the authority by which He reigns. Well, let me conclude with just two questions this morning. You know about Him. Do you know Him? Isaiah prophesied He would come as if He's already come. We're on the other side of that event. Most people would say they have any kind of religious background or not even a religious background, would say Christmas is celebrating the birth of Jesus. 
You know about Him, but do you know Him? And the second question is this, you know Him, do you treasure Him? Or is He one that you pull out just when you need Him? Do we pull Him out at Christmas time? Say, I'll get back to you at Easter. You know about him, do you know him? If you don't know him this morning, friend, I've done the best I could do in the time that I've had this morning to introduce you to who he is. But you can meet him personally and know him personally as your Savior. If you know him, Do you treasure him? I treasure my salvation. It brings me peace. Pastor, are you worried about what's going to happen in the future? I'm not. One, I know he's already there. And my eternity is secure. There's peace that comes with that. Were you afraid of hell? I'm not afraid of hell for me. I'm afraid of hell for the lost. I know I'll never spend a moment there. Why? Because I know him. Oh, you, you think you're not a sinner? Oh, no, no, I know I'm a sinner. Oh, you think you're perfect? Oh, I, I know I'm not perfect. But I, but I don't have to carry that burden with me because I know him personally. Christian, do you treasure there are things that if you came into my home, if you came into my study, if you came into some places in my house, there's, I'll call them trinkets. I'll call them things of that nature, little notes that I've accumulated through the years. As an example, this is very fresh in my mind. There are some things that notes my mother wrote to me. There's some memories out there. I treasure those. If my house was on fire and I could just grab a few things, I mean, after my family, of course, (laughs) that with the great material value would not be the things I went for first. It would be the things that I treasure I wonder, Christian, is that where we have Jesus in our life? We can't truly say we treasure Him if we don't think about Him, if we don't talk to Him, if we don't serve Him, if we don't tell others about Him. If he's not sitting on the throne of our heart, if he's not the foundation of our home, if he does not occupy our thoughts, if you don't know him, it's not possible for you to treasure him because you don't know him personally. You've yet to know the peace that comes 
from knowing your sins have been forgiven. You've yet to discover what it's like to lay your head on your pillow at night, knowing with 100% certainty that if you were to die in your sleep, you'd be in His presence. That you'd never have to deal with what you deserve, that place called hell. It's not possible for you to treasure Him like you can treasure Him when you know Him. The invitation, there's two pleas this morning. First, if you don't know you're saved. See, I don't even understand what that means. Well, in a moment, we'll stand to our feet and we'll sing a song and there'll be an opportunity for you to come and let somebody show you how you can be saved. Not what this Baptist preacher thinks, but what the Bible says. What Jesus has said. You could, on this Christmas Eve, go from knowing about Him to knowing Him personally. I promise you, when you sing joy to the world, it'll mean something a little different to you. But when you hear the Christmas story, it'll mean a little bit more to you. But how tragic to have that opportunity and to reject the gift. But I'd encourage you to come. And then, Christian, I wonder how many Christians today, you know him. But we've allowed other things to take priority. We've allowed other things to occupy our mind. We've allowed other things to occupy our time. And we have not given Him the priority that comes when we treasure Him. Well, do you treasure Christ? Well, maybe there's some priorities that need to be changed. I think today on this Christmas Eve, during a time of invitation, it would be a good day for Christians to bow their head, perhaps bow their knee. Think about that gift. Think about what we received in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just a babe in a manger, but the Son of God. He's wonderful. Don't you know that He's wonderful? He's your counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. You can have peace if you'll turn to Christ. We stand to our feet this morning.